We're so glad that you tuned in to our Rolling Hills Community Church sermon podcast. I'm T. Lusk, and I'm the Columbia campus pastor here at Rolling Hills. Today, we're beginning our Easter series. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be discussing the transformative story of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. This is the climax of God's story for God's people, and it's the moment when sin and death were defeated once and for all. It's the greatest picture of love the world has ever seen. Who is Jesus to you? The story of his journey to the cross can help you grasp who you are to Jesus. Let's lean into that story together. We're so glad that you're here. Who is this Jesus? He claimed to be the Savior, the one the world had been waiting for. His arrival was celebrated, but then everything changed. He was rejected, despised, tortured, crucified, buried in a tomb. Yet, in this act, the work was revealed. The promise was fulfilled. He defeated death, rose from the grave, and the world would never be the same. Who is this Jesus? He is who he said he is. He is our savior, our hope, and he is alive. Oh, well, good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. I'm so excited about today, you know, as we're launching our Easter series. And I just want to say a big welcome to everybody here. Big welcome to our Nolensville campus, too. All of our campuses are joining in today. And so Pastor Jason, the team in Nolensville, so thankful for you guys. And Nashville, Pastor Nick and the team, it's exciting what God's doing. And Pastor T in Columbia and the whole Columbia team there. And six months into our Columbia launch, and man, God is moving and working and Our online campus, welcome everybody. You know, we started an online Bible study. We've got eight different states represented, so so thankful. And then our Franklin campus. Hey guys, it's so good to be here and I just love what God's doing and it's great to be back. You know, we were on spring break and we had three different mission teams from our church out serving and so we had two teams nationally. We had one team in Phoenix and one team in Atlanta working with former interns and planting churches there. And then I was on the team in the Amazon. So we had 36 from our church that went down to the Amazon and uh, served there uh, through Justice and Mercy International. You guys know we started this nonprofit that's just doing amazing work. And we're able to buy a boat. So you can kind of see the big boat that we were able to buy during COVID. And now this boat is able to take our teams and to go. We had 62 people sleeping in hammocks on that boat right there. So we got really cozy uh, right there. But uh, we can pull in. The boat has a flat bottom so you can pull into villages. And we have doctors and dentists and nurses. And we run healthcare out of the boat. We go then into schools and churches and did vacation Bible school. We were in five different villages. We painted schools. We painted churches there. We did home visits and went up and down. We had an incredible team of people that was going. We had clothes. Man, so many people donated clothes. We were able to take into villages and give out clothes and give out food, and it was just amazing, and I'm so thankful uh, to be able to do that, and what was awesome for me, too, is I was able to go with my family, so this is our first time. We have two high school daughters and a middle school, and so Lisa, my wife, and all of us being on the team together, and they, that was their first time kind of out of the country, you know, for two of them, like, and did get to serve, and I'm so proud of you, church, because they've grown up here, right, and so they've been in preschool and children and students. And so when they're running vacation Bible schools, you've taught them. And they're going in and sharing Christ with others. And I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of them, you know. I'm so proud of 
our church. And so maybe God, one day, you know, if you put that on your calendar and think, maybe we'll do a family mission trip one day. That would be awesome. Also, just want to give you an update. Uh, you know, as a church, we've been working in the country of Moldova for 18 years. And Moldova is now in the global spotlight, right, with Ukrainian refugees coming in. Moldova borders the Ukraine. And so we have two from our JMI team, uh, Chris Hardy and Rachel Trammell, who just went and were in Moldova uh, working with the refugees that were coming out. We have 42 staff from our Justice and Mercy team there. And so we've been shifting ministry, and we now are in 32 different places throughout Moldova, bringing in mattresses into churches, bringing in food, and helping all these refugees. And I saw the other day, you know, 90% of the refugees are staying in private homes there in Moldova. And and people are just opening their homes and taking care of people. And and that's our call as Christ followers, right, to go and to serve and to love. And you're doing it, church. We've sent hundreds of thousands of dollars over and taking care of people over there uh, through JMI, through the church. And so I just want to say thank you. And I want to just call us to pray too. Be praying over this region. Be praying for peace over there, that that God would just stop this war and God would bring peace there and God would raise up churches throughout Russia, Ukraine, and Moldova to serve people who are in need right now. And so that's that's our call as Christ followers. And and in fact, before we continue on, let's just pray right now over this situation. Father God, we need you. And and Father, I pray boldly right now over this whole thing that's happening in Ukraine and with Russia and this war. And I pray, Father, you would bring peace. I pray you would just stop this, God. And I pray for the surrounding countries of Moldova, Poland, and other places. I pray for churches there to minister to refugees. I pray for us, God, to know what to do. We have a thousand plus kids, God, that we take care of through JMI and through the church. And so, God, protect those kids and protect the people there. And use us, God, as your church to, to send relief and send prayers and to encourage the people there in this time. And, God, we love you and we need you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, thank you, church. We'll continue to pray, and I'll keep you updated as we learn more about what's happening there. Well, this morning, we were beginning our Easter series, and I'm so excited. I love Easter, right? I just love this time of year. This is our go time, and in our series, we're calling it To Know and Follow Jesus. And so we're going to be building up, right? We're going to kind of start today, and it's going to build up each week until we get to the resurrection, and we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday, but we're going to kind of lay the groundwork today, talk about who Jesus is. Who Jesus is, right? And Jesus' name literally means salvation. Okay, so that's a pretty big indication, right? Here's Jesus. But Jesus also came to be the Messiah, the Savior of the entire world. And, you know, you can tell a lot about a person with their name and with their title, right? A lot of people kind of meet somebody and go, oh, they're the president of this. You're like, oh, wow, that's cool, right? Or they're the CEO or, you know, they're the executive director or they're the principal of this school. You know, titles tell you a lot about a person. Uh, there's a guy in our church, and his daughter was dating a young man, and the young man finally got the courage to come to this dad, you know, in our church, and, and, and the young man's like, can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? And, and you know, if you're a guy, that's like, you're the most nervous part of your time. You know, like your palms are sweaty and all this. Well, the dad in our church looks at him and says, one condition. And I'm sure this guy's just like, freaking, like, what in the world, right? And then the dad goes, here's the condition. When you guys have children, I want them to call me Big Daddy. <laughs> that was just one condition, right? I mean, Big Daddy, right? You know, it's just hilarious. But, you know, we have these titles. And if you're a grandparent, you love that grandparent title, and you got a different name, and probably your grandchildren gave it to you, you didn't get to pick it. But, 
You know, we have all these titles that are out there. We have the, the GOAT, right, the greatest of all time. You know, is it LeBron? Is it Jordan? And people argue back and forth, you know, six NBA championships. But whatever. You know, you can go back and forth, however it is, you know. But, but, you know, you have these different titles that are out there. But the greatest title of all throughout history has been this title, Messiah. Messiah. And everybody knew when you heard that name, you're like, oh, the Messiah, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is going to make all things right. The Messiah is going to make everything at peace. And there's going to be hope. And so the entire Old Testament is preparing for the coming of the Messiah. Even says in Isaiah 61, it says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is the Messiah speaking of the coming Messiah written 700 years before Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. <laughs> you ever been brokenhearted? <laughs> to proclaim freedom from the captives. To release from darkness the prisoners. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what the Messiah was going to do. And so for hundreds of years, thousand plus years, people were waiting. The Messiah, the Messiah, when the Messiah comes, he's going to make all things right. And Jesus comes. Who is this Jesus? Jesus is salvation. And Jesus is the Messiah. Now the thing is, a lot of people missed him. And a lot of people still miss him today. And I pray that this Easter, we will see Jesus for who he is. And I pray that our lives will never be the same because the Messiah has come. Hey, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. So New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, all talk about Jesus. And you're preparing for Easter. You can just kind of be reading through in the daily step, preparing your heart. If you're online today and you want to go to the Rolling Hills app, we'll have the scripture for you there at all of our campuses. There's Bibles that are in the back. But I want you to see Mark chapter 15. We're just giving them 15 and 16 and they're in this Easter series, preparing our hearts to celebrate on that Easter Sunday. But it says this in chapter 15, verse 1, very early in the morning, the chief priests and the elders, the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus and led him away and handed him over to Pilate. So by this time, Jesus has taught for three years, right? Jesus' earthly ministry has been going on. He's been teaching throughout Galilee, through Jerusalem. He's been healing people, restoring lives. I mean, it's been unbelievable. Crowds are flocking to Jesus all over. And people are wondering, is he the Messiah, right? Is he the one, the one we've been waiting for? And Jesus' teaching has been unbelievable. Well, he comes into Jerusalem on this holy week. Right, he comes in on that Palm Sunday and the, and the crowds are chanting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you can feel Jerusalem at this fever pitch. Is he the Messiah? Is he the one we've been waiting for, right? And Jesus comes in on the back of a donkey, not on the back of a stallion declaring war, on the back of a donkey coming in, bringing peace, bringing hope, changing hearts and lives. Well, the chief priests wanted Jesus to overthrow the Romans, to kick the Romans out. And Jesus came with a whole other plan, and it was to make things right between man and God. And it wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Jews and for the Gentiles. And so the chief priests are frustrated. They're mad. They bring Jesus. They have him arrested, brought in before the Sanhedrin in the middle of the night, which goes against all their laws. They put him on trial, and they say, you declare you're the son of God, but you're not overthrowing the Romans. You're not doing what we want you to do. And so they bound him and took him to Pilate. Now, Pilate is the governor. In fact, he's the fifth governor in the line there over Judea. 
The Romans occupied the land. So you have Caesar over all. Then you have these governors over these provinces and Pilate's over this province. The Jews, they cannot do capital punishment. And so they take Jesus and put him before Pilate. And they're like, Pilate, you do something with him. And I want you to see this encounter that happens right here. Pilate and Jesus come face to face. And here's Pilate who's heard all about Jesus. And he looks at him in verse 2 and he says this. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one everybody's been waiting for? Are you the one who's going to make all things right? You have said so, Jesus replied. Yep, I am. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply. And Pilate was amazed. Pilate's waiting for him to cower. Pilate's waiting for him to beg for his life. And Jesus doesn't. He's confident. He's calm. He knows that God has a plan. He knows God has a purpose. And he stands there right there. And Pilate was amazed. Do you still have that sense of amazement about Jesus? Do you still have that sense of awe that that, that God sent his own son to die for you? To pay the price for your sins, for my sins? Do you still have that sense of amazement at what God's doing in your heart, in your life? Pilate's confronted with Jesus, face to face with Jesus. He's amazed. Pilate begins to think, what am I going to do with him? What decision am I going to make? Well, now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. And Pilate thought, this is my way out. See, this is my way out. I don't have to, I don't have to deal with Jesus. I don't have to, you know, have him crucified. I, here I got a way out. I'm going to give them Barabbas. I'm going to give them the worst possible murderer. I'm going to give them this insurrectionist. And I'm going to say, hey, which do you choose? What do you choose? Now, we know from the other four Gospels, right, they all record this instant of Pilate and Jesus being face-to-face. We know in the Gospel of Matthew that Pilate's wife comes and says to Pilate, hey, have nothing to do with this man. He's innocent. Pilate, please. I mean, God spoke to me in a dream. Listen, listen, listen. And so Pilate's there trying to figure out, what am I going to do? Here it is. Barabbas. Barabbas, that's what I'll do. So here he goes to him. He says, hey, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. Well, what shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked him. Crucify him. Crucify him, they shouted. The same crowd that five days before chanted, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, now chants, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate has to decide, what do I do? What do I do about this Jesus? Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate? He's healed you. He's taught you. He's loved you. He's been with all of you. What has he done? But they shouted all the louder, crucify, crucify. We don't want Jesus coming in and messing up our lives. We don't want him coming in and tell us what to do. We don't want to, we want to do our own thing. Just crucify him. It tells us in the Gospel of Matthew that Pilate brought water out and began to 
wash his hands and just say, I wash my hands of this. I don't want any part of this innocent man. I'm washing my hands of this whole thing. But here's the thing. No decision's a decision. And Pilate, instead of saying, okay, you're released. I believe you are the son of God. He says, no, I don't want to risk my position. I don't want to risk my power. I'm here face to face. I know you're innocent, but, but all this is too precious to me. I can't give it up for you. And one of the saddest verses to me, verse 15, right here, it says, wanting to satisfy the crowd. How many people want to satisfy the crowd? How many people live for the approval of the crowd versus the approval of God? Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them, and he had Jesus flogged. 39 lashes on his back with a cat of nine tails and handed him over to be crucified. Face to face with Jesus. Just saying, I can't. And walking away. And sending Jesus to be crucified. See, the fact is we all have to make a decision about Jesus. Every person in history has to make a decision about Jesus. What do you believe about Jesus? And will you allow Jesus to change your heart and your life? Well, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. If you've got a worship guide at one of our campuses or you're here at Franklin, if, if you're online, you can pull up the Rolling Hills app and there's a place to fill in some of the blanks. But I want you to see this. Number one is Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, the one the entire world was waiting for. Not only the Jews, but ancient historians tell us that there was a sense in the world that God was breaking in, that God was going to do something bigger. And Jesus comes along and says, I am he. Are you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate? <laughs> You've said so. Yep, I am, Jesus replied. Jesus was clear about who he was and is. See, there's a lot of people today that would say, Jesus is a great prophet. Jesus is a great moral leader. Jesus is a great teacher. Yeah, you read through the Gospels, you're like, unbelievable. I mean, like, unbelievable teacher, yes. You know, there's world religions that would say Jesus is a prophet. Even in the Quran, right, of Islam, Jesus is a prophet, a great prophet, unbelievable prophet. But, but the question is not, is Jesus a, a great man or moral teacher, but is Jesus the Messiah? Is he the son of God? Is he the one who came to make all things right between God and man? Is he the savior? And Jesus was clear about it. Those who were closest to Jesus believed him to be the Messiah. You, you remember when Jesus started his earthly ministry? If you go back to Luke chapter four. In Luke chapter four, Jesus starts his earthly ministry and he goes into the synagogue in Nazareth where he grew up. And it tells us this, that he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. Isn't that interesting? Jesus went to church, right? As was his custom. I mean, he grew up, right? He comes to Joseph and Mary, taking him to church. You know, he's in the church. So way to go. Way to be at church. Way to bring your kids to church. That was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, and notice this, he found the place where it was written. So they bring in the scroll of Isaiah. Back then they had these giant scrolls, right? They bring it out, and he turns, and he finds the place where it's written. And what's written? He finds Isaiah 61. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is on me 
Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus comes along and says, I want to be very clear about who I am. I'm the Messiah. I'm the fulfillment of all the prophecies. I am here. The people closest to Jesus, they knew that. They began to walk with him and to see him, right? If you go over to Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, he takes his disciples and goes to Caesarea Philippi. We do a biblical study tour to Israel every couple of years. In fact, we're going in October. Maybe you want to go. We have a couple of spots left, but we'll go to this exact place. You can see this. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. A lot of people say you're a prophet. You're you're a good man. But what about you, he asked. And this is where every one of us has to answer that question. What about you? What do you believe? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven, the Spirit of God. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What is the rock? It's that confession of faith. Jesus is Lord. And for 2,000 years, the church has grown on that confession. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the Savior of the world. Till today, 2 billion people following and trusting Jesus, what about you? What about you? Every one of us has to give an answer. You see, the Jews wanted a political Messiah. But Jesus was and is the spiritual Messiah. And you're thinking, how could the Jews miss him back then, right? I mean, he's giving sight to the blind. I mean, he's feeding 5,000 with a couple of loaves and some fish. I mean, what in the world? How, How do you miss that? Because the Jews wanted a political Messiah. They wanted somebody to come in and overthrow the Romans. They wanted to reestablish them as the Jews, as the, as the preeminent in the world in that day. And, and Jesus came in with a whole different agenda. It was to make man right with God. It was to bring healing. It was to bring hope. It was to bring freedom for every single person in the world. Politics is important, and it's important for us to be involved. It's important for us to vote. It's important for us to be in leadership. But there's not going to be one person, one politician, who's going to make all things right in the world. It's Jesus. And our faith and our trust must be in him. And we need to do everything we can to serve the people around us and to help the people around us. But for us to know that Jesus is the Messiah and for us to meet needs physically, but also spiritually, and to share Jesus and the love of Christ because Christ has come and our world will never be the same. And Jesus is the hope. And he's the help that we need. And they missed him. (laughs) Don't miss him. He is here. Look at this. A claim must be proved. It must be proved. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply. Pilate was amazed. You know, the Jews accused Jesus of blasphemy because he claimed to be the son of God. Blasphemy was the big sin for the Jews back then, right? The Ten Commandments, no other gods before God. And when Jesus comes along and says, I, I am the Son of God, right? And all of a sudden, they're like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And so they have him arrested. 
They, they bring him in because of this saying he's the son of God. But don't miss that Jesus said he's the son of God. Don't miss that Jesus was making it very clear who he is and who he was. Jesus fulfilled all 300 messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. If you're going to prove a claim, right, you're going to be the Messiah, you've got to live up to these Old Testament prophecies. Now think about this. The Old Testament, this is amazing to me. Old Testament written over the span of hundreds of years by so many different authors. Then you end, if you end chronologically, you end with the book of Nehemiah. There's 400 years between Nehemiah and Matthew. And all the Old Testament is leading up to the Messiah. And in the Old Testament, over 300 prophecies concerning the Messiah. Like where he would be born? Bethlehem, right? That he would be born of a virgin? A virgin. Like how he's going to fulfill that, right? I mean, like, all these prophecies. How he would die, Psalm 22, his feet and his hands would be pierced. That was hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented. All of these prophecies that you see. And you know what? Jesus fulfilled all 300. The probability is astronomical. I mean, like, how in the world? You go back and you go, he fulfilled them all. He is here. He is the son of God. Jesus did not have to speak because his life proved him to be the Messiah. He lived it. He lived it. All the time. He talked about it and he lived it. You know, there's a lot of people today that make claims about everything. You know, we live in this world where all these people make claims about stuff, right? I mean, those simple things, right? You can drive along. It's like the best hamburger in town. Really? I mean, I don't know. Like, I've had a lot of hamburgers. And, I mean, it's good. But, you know, like, you know are you like, are this the best movie of all time? You're like, well, yeah, I, I don't know, right? You know, or, or four out of five dentists recommend. Really? Four out of five dentists, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I know some dentist friends. I don't know if they like that. I mean, like, people make claims. But people make these false claims, too. There's prophets today who claim to be prophets, right? And you go on the Internet, and you can read all about this. They make this claim about eschatology or when the Messiah is going to come or this Messiah is this. And in Matthew 24, Jesus said, there will be people claiming to be the Messiah. But you have to look and say, hey, do they live it out? Is that the promise? And it's not. And you have to really be wise and discerning today when you hear things and you see things. There's people who will say, hey, Jesus is coming back at this time. Eschatology says, Jesus said, God hadn't even told the son when he's coming back, but Jesus is coming back. But for us to be wise and discerning, but not to put our hope and our faith in man or someone else, but in Jesus and Jesus alone. For us to know that Christ has me, that Christ is for me, that Christ loves me. You, you know, the Hebrew word, right, is Messiah. The Greek word is Christ. So when we say Jesus Christ, Christ isn't Jesus' last name. We are saying Jesus, the Messiah. He is the Messiah, and his life proved him to be the Messiah. Pilate had to make a decision about Jesus. And so do you. Pilate had to make a decision face-to-face with Jesus. And he has to make a decision. What do I believe? And am I willing to put my life on the line for it? Am I willing to invest everything for it? What shall I do then with the one you called the king of the Jews, Pilate asked him. See, it's one thing to know about Jesus, but another to follow him. Bible says in the book of James, do you believe in God? Good. Even the demons believe in God and shudder. It's one thing to know that, yes, there's a God. I can look around the world and I can go, wow, I mean, look at my eye. I can focus. I mean, this didn't just happen. It's one thing to know about Jesus. And everybody in the world knows about 
but the call is to follow. Jesus said to his disciples, come follow me. Come follow me. Live differently. Live for the glory of God. Trust. Follow. Experience the joy. Experience the peace as God works in your heart and your life. Don't just know about him. Follow him. See, you can know about Jesus, but will you commit your life to him? Has there come a point in your life when you said, you know what? I'm ready to follow. Jesus, forgive my sins. Redeem me. Restore me. I'm yours. I want to follow you with my life. Because here's the thing. Wanting to satisfy the crowd. Pilate, in that moment, wanting to satisfy the crowd. And I just kept looking at this all week and thinking, how many times in our lives do we want to satisfy the crowd? Whether it's our job or our image, whether it's the things that we do, or do we say, you know what, I want to satisfy Jesus. I want to live my life for the glory of God. I want to trust. I want to follow him. But wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate missed it. Pilate released Barabbas. I mean, amazing Barabbas who took our place. It should have been us on that cross. It should have been us. It was our sins. Barabbas was guilty. Jesus wasn't. But Jesus took the place of Barabbas and he takes our place. And Pilate missed him. Pilate had Jesus flogged and then handed him over to be crucified. Historians tell us that Pilate, just a few years after this, lost his job as governor and ended up dying in obscurity. Legend tells us that he continued to wash his hands. He couldn't get it off his mind or off his heart. He had this opportunity, and he missed it. See, the ultimate question is, do you believe Jesus? As we move toward Easter, the question is going to come for every one of us. What do I believe about Jesus? Because it changes everything. Not just that he was a, a prophet, not just that he was a, a good man but, or a great moral teacher, but do I really believe? If I put my life on the line for him, it tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Pilate came face to face. Pilate was right there. And he just couldn't do it. And he missed it. And I pray we never miss it. C.S. Lewis, writing in Mere Christianity, wrote this. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. But I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. 
That's Jesus. That's the Messiah. The Savior of the world. The one who has come for you. When we were in the Amazon, we went to the village of a, a pastor named Pastor Belio. And I said, Pastor Belio, tell, tell me your story. Tell me your story. And Pastor Belio started talking to all of our team and he, he told us a little bit of his story. He told me more when we were at the pastor's conference in February. But he said, you know, my dad was a Colombian drug lord. And when I was six, seven, eight years old, we were running drugs and nine, 10, or 11, I did things I, I so regret. He said, it was bad. There was all kinds of bad things that happened in my life and things that I did. And there was abuse. And by the time I was 16, I couldn't handle it anymore. And I ran away and I left. People threatened to kill me, but, but I ran. I ran to another town. I was living by myself. And he said, the hatred just stirred up in my heart. It just stirred up in my heart for two years. I was so mad. I was so angry. And on my 18th birthday, I had already decided that I was going to go back and kill my father. That's what I was going to do on my 18th birthday. And on my 18th birthday, in our town, in our village, some missionaries came by and invited me to church. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the name of Jesus. And for some reason, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And that night, I went. And he said, I came face to face with Jesus. And all my anger, my hate, everything that had built up inside of me, right there, I fell on my knees and I just gave it to him. And I cried. I said, I want you to be my God. He said, my life changed. I began going to that church. I got involved. I started serving there. And he said, over the, over the years, my, my anger toward my dad changed. And I began to write my dad letters saying, I forgive you. And I mailed those letters. I would write, I'm praying for you, and I mail his letters. I didn't hear back for years and for years and for years until finally I got a letter back. He said, I want you to come home. He said, I had to make a decision. Do I go? And I prayed and prayed, and I just thought, you know, if I go, maybe they're going to kill me. I don't know. But I finally got the courage, by the grace of God, to go, and I went back. And when I arrived, my family was so happy to see me, and they told me that a pastor had come and had led the entire family to Christ. And me and my dad were baptized together. We gave our lives together. And he said, then I left and became a missionary and I live in this village and I, I serve here. And you could just see the joy in his life and the healing that had come in his family and the redemption and the hope. And I just thought, that's Jesus. That's what he came to do. To set the captives free. That we aren't slaves anymore to the sin. That we aren't slaves anymore to the hate. That we can forgive, that we can offer grace. That we can be the men and women that God created us to be. And the people in this village, there was a joy about that village that was different than any place else. Because he lived it out. He lived it out. What do you believe about Jesus? Not just that he was a good man or a prophet. No, have you come to the point to say, Jesus is my Lord and I'm going to follow I'm going to trust. I'm going to live my life for him. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's been going on in your heart or in your life. Maybe today is the day of salvation. Maybe today you just go, you know what? I've been putting this decision off for a long time. I've kind of like Pilate. I've been washing my hands and, and I'm tired of it. 
Today is the day I commit. Today is the day I follow. Jesus, come into my heart, my life. Forgive my sins. Redeem me. Restore me. But maybe for you, there's an area that God's been speaking to you about. And you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Maybe it's to be baptized. And you keep putting it off and putting it off. And the day is the day. God says, come, come on. We're going to celebrate Easter at all of our campuses. And we're going to have baptism on that Easter Sunday. Maybe God's saying to you, it's your time. Maybe today is a day when, when there's some hurt in your life. There's some anger in your life. And you bring it to Jesus. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Maybe there's something God's calling you to do. Get involved. Serve. Give back. But don't just walk away today. Walk toward Jesus. Because he has come to meet with you. Pilate had a face-to-face encounter. Pastor Belio had a face-to-face encounter. And today, I want to invite you to a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, the Messiah, who left heaven and came to earth for you. If you're a Christ follower, would you just worship right now? Would you be filled with amazement, with awe, what God's doing? Maybe today is the day where everything changes. I'm not just knowing about Jesus, I'm following Jesus. So Father, here we are, your disciples. And we come to follow you. This Easter is not about an event, it's about you. It's celebrating the Messiah our Savior, the one who came to bring hope and to bring healing, to make things right, to make things new, to allow us to have an eternal relationship with you. Jesus, salvation, the name above every name, the name that we will worship today and forevermore. Thank you. The Messiah is here. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If this podcast episode has been a blessing to you in some way, we hope that you'll tell a friend about us and subscribe so that you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Be sure to explore other great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, the RH Women's Podcast called As You Go. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, we would invite you to download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We'll see you next time, and God bless.